Before this episode begins, this is a quick reminder to save the date. You don't have to write it down, especially if you're driving. But just know that the Colorado Springs city election is coming up on April 4th. If you live in Colorado Springs, you'll receive a mail-in ballot in March and will vote for a new mayor, three at-large city council seats, and the unexpired term of city council district three, if you live in that district. The election is coming up on April 4th. Go vote. I'm Jen Schrader, and this is Behind the Springs, conversations with the people working for you in Colorado Springs, Olympic City, USA. It is really hard to keep up with all the acronyms used today, and I think it's safe to say that local government, that's us, we are guilty when it comes to using a lot of them. So today we are tackling PPRTA. It's important to know what this one stands for and what it means for you. So you may have seen it on the ballot in November. Luckily, voters have extended it. If you were one of those voters, thank you so much. It will most likely impact you at some point if you live in Colorado Springs or you visit Colorado Springs. And I'm fortunate to have uh, Gail Sturdivant here as my guest today. She is our city's deputy public works director. And Gail, I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure, Jen. Thank you for being here. So my first question is easy. What does PPRTA stand for? And give us a little bit of a, a lesson on it. Absolutely. So PPRTA stands for the Pikes Peak Rural Transportation Authority. And I emphasize rural, um, that it's more in the name, but it's really meant to be a regional transportation program that was established um, in 2004 by a vote of the people. Um, Through that process, we had four member governments that originally made up that, which the city of Colorado Springs, El Paso County, Green Mountain Falls, and Manitou Springs. Uh, Since that time, we've had two other member governments join, the towns of Rama and Calhan. So there are now six member governments. Um, When this was established in 2004, um, it became effective January 1st, 2005, um, it instituted a one-cent sales tax. And with that, it really it put the foundation for transportation funding in our region. Um, before I delve into what those parts it is, it's important to note that with our um, conservative sales tax base and our table restrictions and then the uh, gas taxes or HUTF funding that we receive, it's, it's really a moderate amount that we focus a lot um, on maintaining what we have. It doesn't really give us the ability to go through and address bigger uh, reconstruction issues or expansions or reconstruction that's needed um, to fulfill our transportation needs in the community. So it's more about maintenance. It, those uh, those funds are more about maintenance, and those are still maintained within the city. Okay. Um, but what's important is that it was recognized by our elected officials back in the early 2000s that there was a huge need to address the transportation needs regionally in our area. So they worked together to take that ballot measure to the voters in 2004. Um, thankfully, that had you know passed in that time. Um, and the one thing I think is really important about PPRT and the funding and what's been taken to the people, it's very transparent. So of that 1% sales tax, when it's first formed, it's broken into three components. Uh, the first component, 10% of all sales tax revenue goes towards transit operation, um, specifically operation of Mountain Metro in that area. And they, are, they use those funds... F- um, and leverage them very successfully to bring in other uh, outside funding through the Federal Transit Administration. Um, and that does not sunset. That is one of the, without a uh, vote of the people. It's something that's continuous and it's important for their operation. The next big component of that is for maintenance. So there's a 35% of that one cent sales tax goes for maintenance of, um, of our roads, bridges, retaining roads, everything that impacts our transportation uh, network. Um, 
that is on top of those other funds, those base funds we talked about. And it's still, obviously, there's huge needs for us operations-wise and roadway maintenance-wise, which is why we have 2C even on top of that to help maintain our roads. Right. That's never going to go away. Right. right. Yeah. And the, uh, the one thing, the other part is that 35% does not sunset as well. Okay. The part that people see continually and I think has the most visual impact on their roadways is the 55% that addresses capital funding. Um, and uh, there have been three ballots now, the one that was in 2004, one in 2012, and then most recently in 2022, where we actually provide a list of projects to our voters on what that 55% sales tax is going to be used to address. Um, so if you voted, you saw in your ballot that real long list People thought, oh, my goodness, yes. this is the longest ballot question I've seen. But it was beneficial in that you could say, oh, that's the road I drive to work or that's the um, road near my house. And so these are important to me. And then that could help inform your decision on uh, how to vote. Yes, absolutely. You can see where absolutely where the roads were going to be impacted. And if you drive in those roads, you probably already understand what the need is today. Right. And I mean, we're talking about big projects. Give me a couple or give well, our folks a couple examples. Okay. Well, on our most current ballot, I mean, you know, some of the big ones were the Mark Shuffle Road uh, from North Carefree to Dublin. Um, obviously, if you've been on the east side of the city, you'll know that's a huge need. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually, in that same area, a Dublin um, Boulevard between Peterson and Mark Shelfa Road, another huge need where there's just a constriction there that really uh, hampers both the operation and the safety of, of our roadway systems in those areas. So had PPRTA not passed in November those would have been extremely difficult projects to get done, correct? Well, well right. When we were talking about Mark Shuffle Road alone, um, that's a $60 million, 50 to $60 million project, right? It is very difficult for us to come up with those projects. And even if we were to go to pursue grant funding, you know, at a minimum, we would have to come up with 20% of that funding from some other local source. Right. So this was critical. This it passage was... A huge victory. Yes. Right. It's for, great for um, the community, and it's going to be able to help us to address our much-needed transportation needs within our community. Okay. That's wonderful. So I don't think people maybe realize, um, you know, how long PPRTA has been around and how how much we've benefited from it already over the years. Yeah. It's got a good track record, I guess is what I'm trying yeah, to say. It absolutely does. And to give you an idea of what that economic impact is, um, the one thing that's beautiful about PPRTA is we go and buy things within our community, that sales tax, we're reinvesting mm -hmm. back into, but also with our um, our successful tourism within our city. And people come to visit us and they buy things on our stores and go to our restaurants. They're paying sales tax. We're able to capture those other dollars that are spent with our community and reinvest, reinvest those into our community as well. Um, to give you an idea what that impact is, um, the, the PPRTA budget for 2023 is $150 million. And that addresses that transit, that maintenance, and the capital component. So think about it, that's $150 million we're reinvesting back to the community in one year. Wonderful. And you can see that, like you said, when yes. you're driving around. Absolutely. You see the, those impacts. And yeah. they affect your everyday life. So we're grateful for people to take the time to vote in those local elections and and pass this. Absolutely. Um, what are some of the upcoming projects that you're excited about? You, you mentioned Mark Shuffle, um, you, you know, whether it's PPRTA related or not, um, mm -hmm. what are some things that people can look forward to in 2023? Okay. Well, some of the, the big ones that are, they're in very early stages of construction right now. We have the South Academy Boulevard reconstruction that's going to be done in a couple different phases um, between airport and Bijou uh, Street 
and then also between Milton Proby Parkway and Fountain. That's going to be huge. That's almost three miles of reconstruction. Uh, plus, we have a couple other companion projects to help um, improve pedestrian and transit access in some of those other areas, also on Academy and um, on a Hancock Expressway in that area. So we're very excited to get that going. Um, Circle Drive bridges. There are four bridges on Circle Drive that go over uh, Fountain Creek and uh, the railroad tracks. And, uh, you know, we're, they're not in fantastic shape. We've had some closures there just to do some emergency repairs to keep them operational during construction. So those are in early stages of construction. You'll see both those projects really get going in earnest here this spring um, as the weather. Um, some smaller uh, other projects that are ongoing, um, you've got the Black Forest Road uh, project that widening up in that area and just with the growth in the uh, the northeast side of the city, that's going to be important. Um, and little pro other little projects like the Tut, there's a gap of Tut Avenue missing between Dublin and Woodman Road. And if you're in that part of the city, you know, you, that pushes you out to Powers. Mm -hmm. And right now, we're thankful that the Powers of Research Interchange is done and operational, but now our next point of constriction is at Dublin. Right. So, and without having that complete road network in that done in that area, that pushes that traffic out there. So hopefully with that Tut Avenue, will help both local access and some other options for transportation in that area. Do you ever just feel, oh my goodness, so overwhelmed by all this? There's always so much going on, but that must be what you love about it. Well, there's needs and there's problems that we need to address, to solve, right? Yes. And so, you know, engineers, they love to be able to come and solve problems. Um, you know, because there are so many needs, that's how you prioritize them. Um, work within uh, the regulatory requirements, funding constraints, um, some of the other uh, land use issues that may be going on there, just balancing and providing the right solution um, for our community as best as we possibly can, given the resources that we have. Right. Available. It's the ultimate puzzle of trying to make it all fit and work. And you've got a great team behind you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. yes I, I appreciate all their efforts and they do yeah, a great job. That's wonderful. So, um, we often ask for input on these projects as we go along. And like you said, when we're in the beginning phases of these projects, uh, we often say to the public, what what are your needs, right? Because we need to know from the people who drive it every day. Um, I know we have an east-west mobility study coming up. Talk about the projects where we do need that input and what that looks like and why that's important to right. hear from the public when right. we can. So every project that we embark on has some level of public engagement um, if you're familiar with the, the spectrum of public engagement, depending on how that uh, applies to the life cycle of your project. So earlier on in the project, you know, there's more hands-on engagement where we're really looking to collaborate and consult with the public in those areas and get as much information and input that shape the direction of the project. Mm -hmm. um, with Connect CUS, which we're just near wrapping up, you know, that's as early as you can be in the planning project. You know, it's very conceptual to understand what our transportation needs. So, again, having that collaboration and involvement with citizens and getting their input is extremely important. As an individual project is identified, and that's where we start transitioning from that, uh, really having that involvement and getting that input into the consultation and the review of and the ability to comment on the analysis, some of the solutions, the alternatives, and get feedback in that manner. And that happens early on in the project. But then we really start to transition when those decisions need to be finalized and you move forward to finalizing the engineering plans, finalizing your permitting, getting all your funding lined up to be able to get to construction. And that's where we transition into a, uh, to an inform mode. 
Right. So one of the things that's very important to us is to make sure that citizens, whether they're traveling or directly adjacent to, they understand what that input or what's going to be happening on their drive. So, and then a form piece that happens through city's website and engage COS, uh, through newsletters that they choose to sign up with it. We I try to have message boards in the area. Um, depending on the, the type of project, there may be uh, different uh, pre-construction meetings that involve the public, just to make sure they're aware of what's going to be happening when that project, when it's happening, keep it in the form as we transition construction phases or we might have a temporary closure in some areas or traffic shifting. Um, and that's what areas. people really want to know. How mm -hmm. long is this going to last and where will the detours be and those type of things that affect your everyday life. And so we do try to reach people in various ways, whether it's that sign as they're driving down the road or if they want to delve more into it. We typically have project web pages right. and newsletters that you can sign up for. And really, I would encourage listeners to do that if you do find yourself in one of those cone zones, so to speak, yes. get on that newsletter list or follow us on social media at the minimum, check our website so that you're able to be informed and, and know what's coming next. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we try to work with your office as well to get that out, as you mentioned, through social media. If it's a very critical location, we'll, we'll even have news press or press releases that will go out that will be picked up. Um, in the media. Or like you said, those emergency repairs, too, that come uh, up, like absolutely. the Circle Bridge, that we can't anticipate, but we need to let folks know really quickly. Absolutely. So we'd love if you're following us to begin with, because then you can get those alerts. But um, those longer-term projects, I know the newsletters are wonderful. Right. And we also work really hard through our Cone Zone program to get updates into Waze as well. So if somebody's, you know, picking up their phone and just checking their route, um, and, I, and I mean, I personally tend to do that, even though I may drive the same way most days, just to make sure there's not something that it's emerged, whether it be a crash or if there's some unforeseen emergency repair that needs to happen in the roadway. So we try to collaborate uh, through that uh, mode as well to make sure people can be as informed. So... Yeah, so get the Waze app. <laughs> it's a good, it's a handy thing to have on your phone yes. for sure. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, so those are the things that you're really most excited about. A lot of exciting projects coming up and a lot of cone zones. And really, do you feel like that you're waiting for really for the weather to get nice and then that's when things really ramp up for right. all of you? Right. Well, so we do have a lot of activities going on, but it's not necessarily visible to the public. Right. So I mentioned that South Academy project. You know, there's... The, the utility relocations that have to happen before we really get in there, start delving into the pavement or having them, some of the major traffic shifts that folks see are ongoing right now. Um, it's you know, just not that more visible no, thing that the public won't see it. Yeah. Um, you know, Centennial Boulevard opened earlier this year um, between um, Fillmore down to I-25. That looks beautiful. Oh, thank you. Yes, we're very happy to have that connection. It's very important for the west side of the city, but we've got another phase that's going to be coming that will continue those improvements underneath I-25 and set us up for our next project uh, where we go to replace those railroad bridges that go over Fontenero Streets. Okay. So in that area. So there's other phases that are going on that, again, you might not see a lot of activity today, but there are really a lot of plans that are, that are in place or things that are going on that maybe are more discreet, not as visible to the public. Right. And then when all the cones get out there, you know, of course, everyone's like, all right, we're in the full-born construction season. Right. That's true. Okay. Well, so before you go, um, I want to, I always like to ask my guests a little bit about themselves, as you know, which I know you've been a podcast guest before, yes. so I appreciate you coming back. Um, so can you give us a little bit of an idea of what, you know, either you can talk about the job or just personally, you know, what motivates you, what you love about the city and working for the city? Okay. 
Well, um, I absolutely love being a civil engineer. You know, it was really a calling for me um, in college. Um, when I recognized go, going through those initial classes, which um, which future careers were going to have the most impact on my community. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was very fulfilling for me to be able to be involved. So civil engineers touch every aspect of the quality of your life, from the road you drive on, the water you drink, uh, the you know, taking wastewater away and cleaning it, um, Stormwater. There's so many different aspects of what we what we do. So that was really my draw to civil engineering. Um, I was a consultant for 19 years. I was in the army for six years prior to that, and those I had great opportunities doing that. Um, but I recognized that if I wanted to have the most direct positive impact for my community, that it was important to to look at a, a career with the city. And so I feel like. Uh, that way, most of my pro- or all my professional energy goes to try to do what's going to be good for um, the quality of life within our community, and I find that very fulfilling to be able to support um, my fellow citizens that way. Oh, lucky us! That's wonderful. And Corey Farkas, who works in your department as well, was on and said it's also really rewarding for him to literally drive around and see, you know, the roads that are being built or um, plowed or whatever it may be, right. um, and kind of see the fruits of your labor. So that's a really rewarding experience, I would assume. It it absolutely is. It's great. And, you know, I've been um, in Colorado Springs since 1997. So it's interesting to go and see projects that you did, you know, early on in a career and and changes we might be making in the area now, like that next evolution of what could happen with that project or just new things or things that you did back then that are still there today that are benefiting our citizens. A lot of exciting things going on as we grow. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, We're excited to know what PPRTA means. So use that acronym, people. You're ready. You know what it means. Uh, We appreciate your vote for that. And again, another plug for following us on social media for the latest and greatest about all the road projects. And um, when we need input for a project, we'd love to hear from you. And then just keeping up with that construction and what's happening in your neighborhood. So thanks, Gail. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Jen. And we're so glad you took time to join us for today's Behind the Springs, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone.